0: are right down here at the uh, track at CSU. We are a team, as you know, the teaching team here, Team Timberline, and, and good friends as well. And one of the things that that we're working on is just the perseverance, the endurance, the the never give up component That's about working out and being in shape, and 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 making sure that our lives are ready to go at all and every things that we face. So, what do you think, Jeff? about enduring and continuing through the hardships. Well, I, I'm just ready for this Pastor Dowry. this body is a finely honed weapon, and uh, I'm getting ready for the 2012 Olympics in Britain actually, and uh, this is going to be a team effort, let's just, let's do this thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I just want to say there's no I in team. There is in win, but there's no I in team.
0: <laughs> just run fast, jump high, don't fall. That's my thought. Powerful. We believe in you. Thank you. you. We believe. We're going to be doing this as a team. So help us out, everybody. Here we go. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. crazy. (laughs) Come on up here. How many of you can tell we had a lot of fun doing that? You know, it was really a good time and uh, oh, crazy stuff. That Jeffrey, he's just a nut. That's all there is to it. We had a lot of fun. We're talking about uh, what it means to be a team and kind of checking our vital signs today. We've been in a series called King of the Hill and today in just a few minutes I'm going to talk to you about really being in shape spiritually. What, What does it take for us to reach our fullest potential in God. Jesus talks about some of the factors that we're going to look at. But before we get into that, it is such a joy to have a missionary with us. And uh Gwen Kovac is not a stranger to you if you have been around Timberline very long because this is really uh her sending church or her home church. She has ministered here for years and was a part of our music department and our church pianist for years and God's always had a call to missions on her life and Now she's in Peru, and uh, she's actually the one who got us started going to Guatemala. Those of you that have been, and that was under Gwen's leadership there, and for a lot of years she was there. But really, my connection with Gwen goes way back. If you were at our missions convention, I told you this, but uh, I I had a few years in New Mexico where I was born, and, and when I was about seven, eight, nine years old, Gwen used to babysit me. And so uh, she would take us to the park, and we had a blast, and so I've always enjoyed that. But it's so good to have you here in this role. You're a great missionary, and you're faithful, and she's one of those that just is tough, and she gets it done. But tell us what you're doing, where you're going, and kind of the people group that you're going to be ministering to.
1: Thank you, Pastor Jerry, and It's such a joy to be here this morning, and I thank all of you. You are a part of every ministry, everything that has happened in Guatemala since 1990, and in Peru, where we have been since 1999. And so many of you have gone on missions trips. And when I was thinking this morning about passion, what is your passion? You know, I have a great passion. It bothers me when I'm around someone and I see that they're hurting, when I see sadness in their eyes. And I know that there is an answer, and I know that Christ is that answer, and to be able to take Him. But you know, sometimes people still have a few problems, and I'm going into an area That is a little problematic. I just came out of one in the jungle area, but I'm going to the mountains. And in the mountains there, I will be working with Aymara Quechua groups. And I thank God for this opportunity. And I have a little video here that we'd like to kind of pass by to give you an idea that we'll be living in Juliaca next month I go. And we'll be living in a city of over 200,000 above 12,400 feet. And this is the poorest region of Peru, and it's even poorer than the jungle. That's hard to imagine. But it is an area that is steeped by the the witchcraft by the belief in worshiping the sun, uh, the Mother Earth. But Lake Titicaca is one of the beautiful areas that i will be living close to 45 minutes. So this is kind of a tourist a- a- advertisement. No? <laughs> but we will continue. I thank God for all that he has helped us do and that we will continue working with the various tribal and language groups. We'll work with children and the youth, train teachers and leaders Work alongside the National Peruvian Church to bring God's hope and healing to the desperate and the destitute. Build churches, dig wells where God leads us to bring bridges of love and understanding in a cold and forgotten land. First Love at Timberline has already sent many to help. And I thank God for you and I appreciate you. Thank you, Pastor Jerry.
0: Oh, thank you. I tell you, we are. Yeah, thank you. Gwen. Her living conditions, and she won't tell you this because she says it's no big deal, but if you could see her living conditions and the situation she finds herself in among the poor, it's it's very humbling, and she just does it without one complaint ever. She's just called by God to go there. There's an anointing on your life, Gwen. There's the favor of the Lord. And her mom Phyllis, many of you know, and her dad Nick, who's now with the Lord. Just great people, a great heritage, you have a great legacy. Thank you for representing all of these people and me really well over there. We want to pray for you and ask God to protect you and keep you. We're gonna take an offering at the end of our time today where Hundred percent of the offering is going to go to the work in Peru and the ministry that Gwen's involved in to support her, to to help her in every way that we possibly can. And we're talking about a team. How can we maybe send a team to her new assignment, twelve thousand four hundred feet above sea level, is where she's going to be living. So, how many of you know you'd like to try that? Okay, that it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we're going to water wells are a big thing there. We might be able to help do some of those. But anyway, well, let's just pray together. Join me as we pray for, for Gwen, Lord. Thanks for Gwen Kovac, um, just this special lady who will go and be and walks across from jungles to mountaintops to just being a woman of God. We just pray for protection, empowerment, for the boldness of God to be upon her. Lord, that you will just give her all she needs, equip her for this new work. And uh, we just ask for a wonderful partnership over the next few years that you have something in mind for us. And um, we just want to send her out knowing that your blessing rests upon her life. Thanks again, Lord, for this great lady. We love her. Help her to know how much she's loved and prayed for in your mighty name. Amen. Say thanks one more time to Gwen Kovac, would you? <laughs> love you. Bless you, Gwen. By the way, she is single. Gwen's never, never been married. So if you're a single male here today and have any interests... Uh... <laughs> I, last night I said that without running it by her first. And afterwards I, I apologized. I said, I should have talked to you before I said that. She said, I didn't want to offend you. She said, no, it didn't offend me at all. If you do it tomorrow, get names and numbers. <laughs> She's back at a table. Please say hi to Gwen. Just a great, great lady of God. Well, you know, I uh, I love this series we're in. Because it, it really, it's to me, it's putting a lot of meat on the bones for how we live for God, how we walk with God, our attitude about God, our attitude about each other. And uh, today we're talking a little bit about the Matthew 7 passage, which is pretty familiar. And I want to I expand it a little bit to challenge us to, to ask the hard question, am I really a healthy person as it relates to my relationship with God? Um, how many of you have ever seen a doctor or had a physical? What what is one of the first things that you do when you go in there? They usually weigh you. That's not very fun. And their scales are usually off a little bit. <laughs> How many of you know that's true? Yeah. Um, then then they typically will will do what next? You get in the little room and and they put the band on your arm, do your blood pressure. Why why do they t- take your blood pressure? Yeah, in case you're dying, they want to make sure. The, that's an indicator everybody say indicator indicator uh the pulse rate these are indicator they call them vital signs That's what i've called this message today vital signs um that's what happens they check when they when they do a blood test on you and they they run your blood through all those scanners and it pulls out things and it, it gives you a, a, it analyzes your blood and it tells you How you're doing with cholesterol and how you're doing with this and that and it. And you get this sheet that tells you you need to be doing, eat less of this, eat more of that and on and on it goes. Why? Because these are important components for your health. Jesus steps up onto this mountain and he starts talking about these spiritual ideals that are cutting across the grain of the culture he's living in. The people who are listening to him are the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, many of the religious people of his day. And he is saying things that basically are coming against the way they have been doing their relationship with God. Today's no exception. Let's look at it. I want to talk about our vital signs. I have four things that I think are a really healthy sign in your life. And I hope you'll write them down or at least think about them. Number one in your notes before we read it is persistence. The word persistence. I believe persistence is a healthy sign of your spiritual life. When you are persistent in walking and serving God. It means firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. To be a persistent person. Let's look at what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Those three things are very important. Then he goes on to say, everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. As I started thinking about why Jesus said that? Because I don't think He wasted too many words. Do you? I don't think He's just rambling off, trying to think of something to say. Why did He choose these three things? Ask, seek, and knock. And, and there are many reasons, but let me just give you my thoughts and a few thoughts from commentators that, that, that these ideas kind of pop out with multiple times. The ask part almost speaks of the willingness on our part to acknowledge our need. Have you ever heard someone say they were just too proud to ask? What does that mean? Doesn't it kind of mean that there was just something in them? They were either embarrassed by it. They didn't want to ask it. It was maybe a place of humility for them and and pride got in the way or embarrassment got in the way. And they they just didn't want to ask. I think sometimes that's how we are with God. Well, you know, it'll work out. Well, maybe it won't work out. Why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? And then some might say, well, doesn't the, didn't we just a few weeks ago realize and, and see that Jesus said that God even knows our needs before we ask? So then, then what's the point? If He already knows, why don't we just say, okay, God, you know, do your thing. And then Jesus says, ask. There's something special about asking. It's you and I saying, God, I come to you asking you more than anyone else. It shows our reliance upon God, seeking what is this seek. This is talking about that tenacious, unwavering quality that passionately pursues after something. You know have you ever lost something and you know you saw it just a few days ago and you're like, "Oh, where was that? Where was that? Where was that? And you walk into the laundry room and you're looking all around and you think, "Oh no, it was in the car and you look in the car. And then you go to the bedroom, you look in the closet, and then you go to you know, those two spots where you have all your junk that you never put away. You know what I mean? How many of you have a couple of those spots? You, know, you, just, you thought, maybe I put it in there. And, and, and it's just not there. It just, but you know you saw it, so you seek after it. You, you seek after it. You keep on going. There's something about seeking where the result is finding. And, and Jesus says, Don't be afraid to be someone who seeks after and pursues Me. And you will find what you're seeking for in me, if you seek after me. Then the word knock, it's an interesting idea. Ask, seek, and then this one. Knock. Why would he say that? We're asking, we're seeking. And then knocking implies kind of an interesting thing to me, because normally we think of a door, don't we? And if you're knocking, that means the door is probably closed. Okay, It's shut. So we're we're asked to knock on the door. We've been asking, we've been seeking, and now we're standing there at the door knocking. And here's the reality. I think the reason Jesus likes this word, you know, knock and the door will be open, is that we can't make it happen in our lives most of the time when it comes to our spiritual maturity. We can't force something against someone's will. But we can knock on. And God can open the door that no man can open. We are showing our reliance on God. And so it is healthy for us. It's healthy for us to be persistent in our asking and in our seeking and in our knocking, saying, I can't make this happen. God, I can't force it. So I'm just going to knock on the door and I'm going to stand here patiently. And I'm going to wait because that's not very much my nature. I like to get in there and get it done. I know what we're supposed to do. Let's go. There's this idea that I will wait for God to open the door. Some of you are living that right now. I just want to say, keep knocking. Let Him open the door because you can't make it happen. The second quality or trait that I think is a healthy sign for people who are pursuing God is unwavering trust. Unwavering trust. And I've worded it that way because it's a big statement and this is a pretty tough one to talk about. So I need you to open your heart and mind for just a few minutes here and, and, and be mature because I'm going to push on some buttons um, in some of you and it's not, it could be painful and it's painful for me. But let's look at verse 9. Which of you, Jesus says, if his son asks for bread, remember, he's talking to the crowd, which of you, Pharisee, Sadducee, leader, scribe, Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or, if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? In other words, you wouldn't be mean to your kids on purpose. If you then, though you are evil, (laughs) and he's basically saying human nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And that phrase right there means no comparison extravagantly there's there's no comparison how much more will your heavenly father your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him it's this idea that we know how to give gifts but you can trust your heavenly father in a dimension that you could never trust a human being he knows what those gifts need to be trust him ask him and he will be the provider of your life now Here's why this is a tough one. Because I believe this tests our theology about who God really is. I believe this passage and others like it reveal what we believe about the nature of God, really. When we think of trial and hardship, of unexpected issues that you go through in your life, I immediately go to Job. Job had unwavering trust in God. Would you agree? He said, you know, though he slay me, I will serve him. It doesn't matter. Regardless of the circumstances of my life, I will trust God. Now, here's why I want to talk about this for a minute. Because in in my world, as a pastor all these years, I cannot begin to tell you the amount of people who I have watched where... Let me just say it this way. It's interesting when people's pain or trials exceed their trust or faith. There's a tension in this. And people say to me, I don't understand why I have cancer. And I say, I don't understand either. And they're putting a finger at God saying, I've prayed for health my whole life. My parents prayed for health my whole life. They're under the assumption that they will never have a health issue because they have prayed and done their part. And now their trial is bigger than they ever would have dreamed they would face. Why did I lose that son or daughter in that car accident? Why did my spouse walk away? Why, am, why is the bank foreclosing on me? I can't get a job. I have faithfully paid my tithe. I have done what God's asked me to do. I don't know. Where is God now? And there's something that happens in people when they come to a place in their life where they begin to view God as the one party responsible for not doing His job. And they are equating their faith in God equal to their demands of Him. This is a huge issue. Please hear this. Some of you today are in this room with an angst against god or a bitterness against god and here's what happens to those people often they they continue quote usually sometimes they walk away from their faith but sometimes they'll continue to walk with god come to church quote be a christian because they don't want to go to that other place (laughs) you know what i mean there's like okay i I don't want to go do that but they're really never going to reach their potential. They're really never going to be fulfilled in their walk with God because there's a seed of bitterness, there's an anger, there's an angst toward God and usually even the people of God. And it's hard to pray for people, it's hard to believe God because God disappointed them. God did not show up and do what they understood His job was to do. And all of this happens because our theology of God gets twisted in the reality of a fallen world that we live in. And this is this creates huge tension in people's lives. Jesus is saying here, you must understand, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you are going through, God isn't the creator of evil that happens to you. How many of you know we're living in a fall, fallen world? I could go out here today and get hit by a truck and die. And it doesn't mean God pulled my car out and caused the truck to hit me to kill me. It means the roads are slick and I better pay attention when I'm driving. You say, well, the righteous, steps, you know, the righteous steps of a man are ordered of the Lord. Well, that's true. I believe that. And God will be with me through it all. I am not promised to escape all pain, all issues. I am promised that God will be with me no matter what it is that I face. There is a huge difference. So when I talk about this unwavering trust, it's not a blind trust, it's a faith. And there's a a deep something that happens in people when they have the reality that they stop pointing their finger at God. And they open their arms to God. And they say, you are a father who knows how to comfort me in the worst time of my life. I will throw my arms around you in this. You are a father who knows how to give the gifts that I need in the deepest trial of my life. Wow, that's tough. Let's move on to something not so tough. Are you hearing me? It's important. It's really important that we get this because sarcastic Christians who have an angst toward God really are not going to benefit the kingdom. And they're not healthy people. And they never will be. So at some point today, in a moment when we pray, some of you just need to lay this anger out to God. God can handle your anger. But be honest and open about the fact that you're still blaming God or the people of God for something in your life. And it's your Father who can hold you and help you through it. Okay, number three. Number three. Um, this This is a really important healthy component, I think. And it's keeping an outward perspective. When, when you meet people who have an inward perspective, they live in their me world, they're not going to be a healthy believer. They're not going to be a healthy follower of Christ. But keeping an outward perspective is a really healthy sign. And so here's what Jesus says. It's a really famous Matthew 7, 12. What is it called? Anybody remember? The Golden Rule. How many of you remember the Golden Rule? Anybody learned that? Okay, a few of you did. Vacation, Bible school, and I learned it. Here we go. Verse 12. So in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And We had a little catchphrase in Vacation Bible School that says, make the golden rule your daily rule. Pretty clever, huh? Pretty clever. See, what happens is Jesus is trying to make the statement that says you need to have awareness that you need to treat others the way you want to be treated. That that has to do with, with... in your home, in your workplace, it even, it even has to do with your driving, with that there are other drivers on, on your road. And that's a challenge. How many of you know that's a challenge? What are you doing on my road? And, and we have to treat them like we want to be treated. And it's a challenging thing for us to live that way. Here's why, here's why. If I said, if I said, okay, let's just be gut level honest here, how many of you here today are just totally self-centered me people? No one's going to say, oh, yeah, that's me, baby, and I love it. Because <laughs> you don't want to be known that way. All of us want to be caring about other people and the people around us. And we don't want to be self-centered in our lives. But I don't think we always know when we are. And so it takes, I think it takes some guts to look down deep in your life and say, how much of my time, my dollars, my energy, my, who am I giving my life to? What am I living for? Is it just my little world that I'm, I'm contributing to? Or is it, is it stuff that's outside the realm? Jesus is saying, hey Pharisee, hey scribe, look outside your little world. Because when they prayed, they prayed so people could hear them. When they gave, they gave so people could see them. When they dressed up in their wonderful robes with the tassels, it was all a show. It was all about their accomplishments. Jesus is saying, wait a minute, get over that. This isn't about you. The kingdom of God is defined by people who will say, I have an outward focus. I care about the people around me. I want to make a difference with my life. There's a season. There's a season in your life when you need to probably work on you. I get that. But but don't live there the rest of your life. Get, get over it. Move on. Ask God to help you with it. He will. He will help you. That's what I think... Jesus is talking about here in some of these things. I, I think one of the greatest examples of an outward-focused person is like a parent who's just caring for their child. Just right over here today, I'm not trying to embarrass you guys, but they have this little girl. It's her first time in, in, in church. She's this big. I mean, she's just this big. and And she's being so good, and it's just so... Fun And parents who give themselves to, to that, I was in a fast food restaurant the other day and I was waiting in line and I got my number and so I went and sat down. I was waiting for the number to be called. I saw a mom who had come in and she had a, like a little baby, a little older than this little baby and a two year old little girl. And she had stuff everywhere and she had a bag and she had the baby and she's setting it down one at a time, pulling stuff off her shoulder, gets everything laid out on this bench and the little girl's going like this mommy she said mommy i gotta go potty i gotta go potty now and her mommy said oh okay and her, and the mom was so sweet i gotta tell you the mom said okay honey wait just a second let's we need to gather everything up and so she's starting to put it all back back on and finally, the little girl said oh it's okay mommy i already went <laughs> and she's just standing there smiling this little girl and so the mom says, okay, well, let's go ahead and go in, into the restroom. And the little girl was so cute. She said, mommy, I don't have to go again. <laughs> what does it take for us to be people who will see the need, clean up the mess, be a part of making a difference in the world, that we will treat others the way we want to be treated, and we will treat others in the way that God values them beyond how we could possibly value them no matter who they are last thing i want to say number 4 in your outline discipline and focus are healthy signs discipline and focus are healthy signs jesus is about to say something that is kind of it can be labeled a scary verse in the bible it's verse 13 and it's this enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And then this line, only a few find it. And I can remember evangelists coming to my church when I was a kid and preaching on this and basically saying, nobody here is making it through that gate tonight. It's narrow. Nobody can find it. And you're like... Oh no! (laughs) Where's the narrow road? Where's the narrow gate? I want to find it! Jesus is not trying to put fear in you that you don't have a chance to make it. What Jesus is doing here is making a statement to the people who are on the outer circle looking at all the religious world and He's saying, guess what? All of the stuff you've been seeing in your culture that's defined to be godly, That's the wide, broad road. That's not it. The principles of the kingdom are not that broad. When you give yourself to doing the will of God, the road gets more narrow. When you live your life for the purposes of God, in many ways you have less options. Now, I personally believe when you get on that road, the options are into the thousands of what you can do and what God can bless. But I think one thing that we do need to say in a culture that, and Jeff talked about it last week a little bit, not all roads lead to God. And and we're in a culture that's trying to make everything happy, family, and fun, and let's just respect someone's journey. We should respect their journey. But there is a point in which this book lays out a path toward God and a truth. And if you want to be a Bible Christian, if you want to walk with Him, then there are disciplines and focus in our lives that we have to pay attention to. And it's not easy. And it's a challenge. And so we embrace that to say, Lord, show us how we can be those people, the people of God. That's how health is defined. Anything worth anything in life requires discipline and focus. Moral purity, a healthy marriage, a work ethic financial security, all of those things require those things in our lives. And sometimes the right road is not always the road of least resistance. Sometimes it's a road that we have to go on through discipline and challenges. I want to spend a few moments praying with you today because we've talked about some pretty big issues. And I hope your heart is open enough to go into the little hospital room and uh, let God examine you. Would you do that with me, Lord? We just pause... We bow our hearts. We come into this exam room. As you take our blood pressure, as you put us on the scales, as you check our pulse today, spiritually speaking, you look into our mind. You look into what we've given ourselves to, our passions. Thank you for loving us that much. And today we ask you to do the stuff in us that only you can do for real heart change, for a confidence that only you can give. Thank you, Father. I have to start today with heads bowed with some of you that say, you have an angst toward God. There's a there's a seed of bitterness there, and maybe you haven't even identified it till today, but it's just something that you haven't, maybe it's just you haven't understood, and, and that's, that's okay. But it, when that leads to anger, and it leads to venting to other people, and sarcasm, and hurtful statements, um, and, and most of all, lack of trust in God. I want to pray for you. And You don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, um, it's not for me. It's for God. But if you know that you're living a little bit with that, and that unwavering trust really is a, it's a challenge for you right now, maybe because of your trial or your pain or your past, hold your hand up if, if you would. Just hold it up to God. Say, Lord, that's me. You're talking to my heart about this. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. I just want to pray for you. Lord. Thank you for people in this room that would just say, that defines some stuff in me. I want to know that you are that Father that opens your arms, that gives comfort and peace, and the good gifts that your son, your daughter needs today. And instead of pointing my finger at you, I will open my arms to you. Because you are God, and I'm not. And I yield I yield, though I don't understand and may never understand, and maybe in heaven I'll have a new awareness and appreciation for some of the decisions, but today I'm confused. But I trust you. Secondly, how many of you would say, I need to be reminded to press on. I need to ask and seek and knock, and I'm standing at that door right now waiting, and I just want to have a... Uh, kind of a shot in the arm of health today to say i'm going to keep knocking i'm going to keep trusting god i'm not going to stop hold hold your hand if that's you just to say let's persevere let's get through this lord thank you for these put that tenacious desire that passion to say we're going to go we're going to keep going we're going to fight for these things that are right we know they're of you they're birthed of you we will ask of you we will seek you we will knock and we will trust you to open the doors in our lives we believe you and Father, finally, for all of us, just who fall into the me-focused world sometimes, turn us inside out and show us a world that needs to be treated in a way that you would treat them. To lead with love and to let love live, God. Let it be more than a motto around here or a mission statement. Let it be who we are and who we've become. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.